Heavenly Father, we beseech thee. I kneel before you as a member of this age-old craft, praying to you for guidance as I am on a journey. A journey for more light, but more especially light that has been lost, forgotten, or hidden among the ages gone by. The light that connects us with our very meaning and informs us of our purpose. Light locked deep within our past, beyond lips that no longer speak, and paths forgotten, no longer traveled. Aid me in my pursuit, Lord, for historical light. Hey everybody, welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. As always, I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and I want to thank you guys for joining us for episode number 26. I know we've been a little off lately, but trying to get it back on track, and I appreciate you guys sticking around and still supporting the show. Now, we have a great guest on the show today. You guys are going to love it. And uh, we brought him on to help kind of recap this year's Masonicon 2018 up in Attleboro, Massachusetts. I had the pleasure of going up there as a speaker this year. So without further ado, we're not going to do any of the other intro today um, as far as masonry today and all that. We're going to jump straight in. Um, got a great interview and kind of a recap about Masonicon. I want to fill you guys in on that. I hope you enjoy. We'll see you afterwards. Back to Historical Light. Very pleased to have on the show today, Worshipful Brother Rob Jackson. Thank you so much for being on today, Brother. If you don't mind, I'll kick it over to you. Um, we always uh, start off by letting our guests tell a little bit about themselves and kind of introduce, introduce themselves. To uh, thank you, Brother. Uh, again, uh, Robert Jackson. I live in Massachusetts. I'm the presiding master of Montgomery Lodge. It's a uh, Paul Revere Lodge founded in 1797. Uh, my second year as master and should be ending in the next couple of months. So wonderful. How was uh, how was your year in the East gone, brother? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so many can uh, can share that feeling with you for sure. Yeah, so after the first year, uh, after the first year, I was like, oh, you know, there's so many things I, I wanted to do differently. I'm sure everybody's felt that way. That's right. And then, that's um, right. So you are a two timer. And then I get the opportunity. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to, I'm really going to attack it. And it's like, oh, my God, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, third time's a charm? No. <laughs> no. Not unless divorce papers are included because uh, uh, that would be bad. I understand that. I understand that. Well, we always kind of kick off by asking a couple questions to our guests that come on the show. First one that's going to be, do you have any family history within the craft in both the Freemasonry side itself and or appendant bodies? I do. Um, actually, this is one of the things I'm very proud of. Um, not in the appendant bodies, at least not to my knowledge. Uh, but my father, grandfather, and great-grandfather uh, were all members of Scarsdale Lodge 1094 in Scarsdale, New York. Uh, my great-grandfather was actually a charter member of that lodge. Um, which is cool. My dad and my grandfather were both past masters, and I think most of my grandfather's family, at least at one point in time or the other, um, belonged to that lodge. And I know my grandmother was an Eastern Star as well. Wonderful. 
Now, with that uh, family history, is that what brought you in to actually make that decision to join yourself, or what was it that uh, made you decide to make that leap into Freemasonry? The, um, the family history certainly sparked the interest. Uh, you know, there's always something there. Uh, my dad never talked about it, but um, I would see things around his office that, you know, he would have, and of course, his ring. And, um, but he never really talked about it. When I graduated college, I first got out, uh, I mentioned something to him, and he was like, well, when you're ready, you know, go find a lodge and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and talk to them, meet them. And this was when I was in Indianapolis at the time. And uh, since then, I had moved to Massachusetts, started a family, and uh, my oldest was about two years old. And uh, I, I felt I needed something, um, something to get back, uh, something to improve myself. And um, this was like the time of National Treasure. So like the whole, that whole deal was going around. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to see what this is about. And so I petitioned the lodge, and my dad didn't even know until... Uh, uh, until I was accepted. No doubt. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, you made the choice to jump in and actually make that leap into Freemasonry. What's kept you around? Why, why did you decide to stay a Mason? So this is an interesting question um, or an interesting scenario. I actually, I got right in line. I did fairly well on my exemplification. Um, I got right in line, but I was traveling a lot for work. And... First kid, second kid, I'm gone Monday through Thursday. I get home and I'm like, honey, I'm going to go to Lodge. And she's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, there was that 24-inch gauge trying to, you know, figure out what the priority was and, and balance things out. And <laughs> still is. And um, that actually happened twice. And then uh, I was brought back in as senior deacon and um, – I guess that would have been, what, six years ago, five years ago, and just stuck with that ever since. Uh, I did almost step away um, just because um, I wasn't real into the fraternal aspect and uh, listening to the the obligations and and seeing some of the ritual and, and started really wondering if I believed in God. Um, and I just wasn't sure if masonry was for me. And... Uh, I found a couple brothers and um, started introducing me to the, to the more philosophical aspect, which I didn't even realize. Um, and uh, and that that's really what started my, my educational journey. Sure, yeah. sure. Now that that's a pretty profound comment that you just had there. You know, you, you weren't sure if you believed in God after you joined Masonry. I know there's some guys watching right now, like ah, oh my God. But that right there, that that's a journey in itself. You know, I, I would almost challenge everybody to actually question that because there's so many people out there just raised in that way of, yeah, yeah I believe in God. But yeah. do you? Have you? I mean, do you believe for yourself or do you believe because you were told to believe? And how can you believe truly without traveling that path? How can you reach the light if you haven't gone through the darkness? And, brother, I commend you for uh, for soul-seeking in that manner and actually figuring it out for yourself. There's there's not a lot of people that uh, that do that. They just kind of skip over and call it good. And I don't think that I don't think that equals up. I really don't. So, good job. Um, I'm still I'm still kind of figuring it out, and um, you know, it's it's still a struggle and, and trying to find spirituality and God in my own way, and sure. and uh, trying to learn as much as I can. I figured if if uh, 
you know, you're brought up in school and the thing they, they always talk to you about is, well, you have to ask questions. If you don't ask questions, you're going to learn. Well, why doesn't that apply to everything else in life? Why don't we ask questions about religion and Freemasonry and politics? And that's, right. that's how we're going to learn. Yeah, those, those are the questions that scare people. It's, ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you get hushed up really quick on those. But, yeah. no, yeah, that, I mean, that's a huge factor of it is that inner seeking. And yeah. you can't reach the end if you never travel the path. So, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Well, today's episode, we're getting into an awesome topic. It's been another year, and I was in Boston last week. I was up in Attleboro area for Masonic Con 2018. If you might notice, one of the few shows throughout the year that I'm not in a suit. wearing the official Masonic Con <laughs> shirt. So I uh, got Brother Rob on the show today. He was also in attendance, so kind of giving you guys a dual perspective of how it went down. So. Brother, you live in the area, so they've done this three years in a row yes. now. Were you able to make it to the first one? I did. Nice. Um, I think I found about found out about it on Facebook. Um, either that or uh, there's an educational group, uh, Lumen Scientai, uh, which sometimes meets there as well. And um, I had gone to one of their lectures and Facebook and heard about Masonic and I was like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. And man, I was hooked. I mean, um, not just the, I mean, the swag is cool. There's a lot of cool material, uh, merchandise there that, that you'll find there that you won't find anywhere else. So yeah, so uh, uh, found out about it either on Facebook or, or through some of the groups. And, um, uh, and I went and uh, not just the merchandise, the merchandise is really cool. A lot of unique stuff that you probably just won't see anywhere else. Um, and that's growing, but, but the lectures, right? The discussions and talking to guys and meeting people. I and mean, that, that's the key. That's, that's what makes Masonic Con for me. That's awesome. Most definitely. So I didn't know about it the first year. I found out about it last year, the second year they did it, um, kind of by fluke, I guess. One of, uh, one of the other podcasts, um, had put out the idea of getting all the Masonic podcasts together to do this big group picture. And kind of, you know, kept on me, kept on me. You got to get out there. We're getting everyone together. Everyone's on. All right, sweet. So drop the money. And I'm like, you know, a few days from leaving and everyone's like not going. Uh, it was just, <laughs> uh, there's just a few guys from TMR that made it up there. But uh, nonetheless, it was an epic experience. Still got a cool picture. Um, just had an epic time and it was something that you know I just don't get here locally on that magnitude and yeah. I've looked forward to it all year long um, so this year they actually invited me out as a speaker and I was just uh, I was stoked about it I've you know like I said been looking forward to it all year long kind of my highlight um, and it did not let me down I, I think this was uh, actually blew last year out of the water uh, at least for me what do you think how'd this year go for you brother so it's tough because um, last year was really special just because I got to meet you, um, you know, and RJ and John Ruark and, and these guys that I've looked up to and I met guys like Angel Millar, right? And and um, just getting some of that knowledge and hearing some of these, these brothers speak, it was just fantastic. Uh, so last year was really the, the really a highlight for me. Um, I like what they're doing with it this year. I think um, Ezekiel Bates is trying to expand it out for uh, a more diverse area of topics. Um, 
which was awesome. But yeah, that last year was uh, last year was something something special. Yeah, hard to top that. Yeah, no, I I agree. So. So there was a very special thing last year that me and you uh, got to share with a group of other guys that uh, the the whole entirety of it's not to be talked about. It was it was a personal experience, but uh, it was very cool. It happened after MasonicCon, but yes, that that's what that would be hard to top. Unfortunately, we didn't get to duplicate that this year, uh, but it will be done again. It has to be. Uh, it was pretty pretty epic. Some of you guys may have saw some uh, suspicious images last year that got posted. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very cool. So, uh, just kind of give a rundown about, you know, my trip going out there and then we'll kind of run through the day itself. Um, they brought us out on, on Friday. Um, great trip. Uh, it was actually pretty, pretty smooth. For me, I'm not, I'm not a plane guy. I don't do much traveling. I learned my lessons on trips like these. Funny. We, we connected in, uh, Rhode Island this time. Last time they took me through DC. Connected in Rhode Island time, and right before the planes load, they announced that it is an entirely packed plane. Um, that the packed luggage is about at capacity. Um, suspect that they're not going to have enough room for carry-on luggage and all this chaos. So they suggested right then and there that uh, uh, if if you have more than one bag to go beneath your feet, that you should upgrade um, your boarding time and. They could have been pumping me for money. I took the bait. Well, I shot myself in the foot almost. I pay the extra money so I can board first or in the first group. And I jump in. Like I say, I, I don't fly often. So I jumped into that first seat. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be first off the plane. Well, what I didn't realize was that first seat, you can't have a bag underneath your feet because there's yeah. no seats in front of you. So the plane's like half full before I realize this and have to, oh crap, and you know, jump back <laughs> and get another seat. So almost screwed myself there. Um, but we uh, get through flawlessly, get up to uh, Boston. I, you know, I let them pick me up and stuff this year. Some of you heard last year, I, I rented a car. That's Last year, some of you heard, I, I, I rented a car, and uh, needless to say, a Kansas boy driving in Boston, huge mistake. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into that whole fiasco. Go back and view the episode from last year. I, I was stressed. And RJ uh, from Wince Came, you still makes fun of me because the first time I met him was leaving that parking garage, and he thought I just had a stroke. I looked so stressed <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, go back, view that story. Um, you might have noticed the cut in this. It was because Rob fell over laughing when I made that <laughs> comment and, uh, and ended the call there. So, <laughs> yeah. Oops. If you're not from Boston, don't drive in Boston. It, uh, yeah. Especially you know, if you're from the Midwest. It is not a grid system. Yeah, man. I, oh, man. Yeah. That's all I got when to say about it. <laughs> when we first moved out here, my wife was like, what the heck is this? You've got a road that says it's going north and south, and it's not going north and south. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and the multi-layered intersections, I, it's creative. I, I give you props <laughs> for that. <laughs> but anyways, they, uh, they, they picked us up this year. Um, you know, one of the first things we did, kind of got checked in and everything. And one of the brothers that belongs to Ezekiel Bates um, has recently opened his own brewery. 
Uh, it's there not too far from the lodge, but it was pretty cool. A tiny little place, but man, it uh, really cool uh, atmosphere and everything. The place was packed. I mean, filled to the brim with people. They love this place. And he had some uh, some interesting uh, custom-made uh, drafts and stuff going on. I think one of them was called the Third Rough In, uh, but everybody was loving it. Uh, it was a good time. They had a food truck out there with a, another brother from the lodge who uh, runs his food truck. Great food. Um, but yeah, hung out there the whole first night and then uh, wake up the next morning and MasonicCon was on. Uh, I was one of the speakers. I was I was actually tied to pretty much every one of the interviews. Uh, I really thought I'd uh, get some time to go around chat with everybody and check out the vendors. I ran in between a couple of the, uh, of the speeches, but dude, I... I thought everyone knocked it out of the park this year. I was, I was yeah. really tied to the speakers. Um, do you have any favorites? <sighs> uh, actually, you know what? With all due respect, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, John Ruark's discussion on statistics um, that was incredible. That and the panel at the end was very cool. But I mean, the um, the speech that John did with. Uh, the stats and everything that he did, and he collected on the survey. Man, I don't even think I got off my seat, and I was texting that to my district deputy. I'm like, "You got to use this. This we all have to be watching this information." Um, I mean, it's just such valuable data, and it's just if you care about the craft and you think about how it's going to grow and how it's going to survive, you got to be thinking about these numbers and the feedback that he's getting. You know. Well, you know, I I think the amazing a part of it is it's it's something we've talked about for years i mean years before i became a mason like this isn't a new topic but it's one of those topics that are just so easily grazed over yeah yeah we're in trouble and you know just kind of pushed on to the next but with these stats that john brings into play you can't look away i mean it, it is right there it's in front of you it's it's unavoidable and uh, it, it really uh it takes the conversation to the next level because it's no longer just speculation, it's evidence proven, and it kind of forces you to face it. it was, yeah, you've got the data there to tell you the story, right? And, right. and the data tells you part of it. Um, you do have to infer some, but you've got data. It, and just like, I mean, when we were kids, right, it's always, well, it'll never happen to me, end up doing all sorts of stupid stuff because nothing will ever happen to me. Um, uh, speaking from from my experience, my the, the lodge that my great grandfather was on the charter for is gone. Mm. They merged with another lodge, and we have lodges merging in our district today. And I would I would h- hate to see that happen to our lodge to have to merge into another. And right. as we shrink, it's it's inevitable. Yeah, you know, no, it it is, and. Uh, that that ties right into actually what what I was speaking about um, this year at MasonicCon. They they brought me up to uh, um, give on the topic of preserving Masonic history and how it is uh, fading away. And you know, unfortunately, we are lodge after lodge. We're seeing so many of these lodges disappear, and uh, yeah. it doesn't take long. Once those doors are closed, it's slowly forgotten about. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many stories like that where just the oldest past masters in your lodge may know about these lodges from long ago, but once they're gone, you may glance by it in a history book one day, but, you know, it's no more. So it, it, it's a sad truth, but, uh, you know, why that history is still available, um, you know, we, we've got to save as much of it as we can. Um, and these, these numbers that, you know, uh, Brother Ruark's bringing to the table is 
just you know total evidence of that i mean it's yeah it's an unavoidable fate so something's got to be done you know we can't just talk about it anymore so yeah and and with his data right i mean certainly there's a there's a group of masons that are going to be participating in that survey right whether they're they hear about it on tmr or 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 historical light once came you whatever it is um they'll hear about that survey because they're out looking for education yeah. Right. So the vast majority of data coming back from that was, well, we want more education. There's not enough education in the lodge. Um, there's a strong fraternal and family aspect there as well that I, I think can't be glossed over. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've got to be able to take care of um, take care of our brothers. Uh, the interviews that you did, like the video interviews with some of the older brothers, that dude, that's awesome. The amount of time and stuff that you spend on that is just incredible. And it's just, that's, that's history. That's our stories. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And that, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, for those of you that have, that have heard me give that presentation, um, you know, I mentioned in there, the video aspect of it, I pondered on it, but the true idea that came from brother, uh, Mitch Denning, who actually did a, uh, video documentary on his lodge. We did an episode on that before. Go back and check that out, everybody. Um, it's so simple to do. Um, and a lot of, a lot of it can be done just simply with your cell phone these days. I mean, the video yeah. quality, the audio quality is a lot better than you think it is. And I mean, even if we're not shooting, you know, for cinema, it's, it's there. I mean, you can get really good quality just by some editing on your mobile device. And there's no better way to save history. You know, yeah. one of the, the one of the key points I've pushed so hard on that for so long is up until this date, the battle's been entirely different as to the fact of we've been trying to build libraries. We've been, you know, trying to, oh, well, there's a book, there's a book, let's get them together if they're safe. Well, only for so long, because now those books themselves are disappearing. And there's yeah. more history than just those books. Um, you know, the, the best conversations, the best times I've ever had in masonry is when I get stuck after lodge and I'm sitting there in the Tyler's area and I just get end up chatting with an old guy. Either, you know, someone yeah. from my lodge or someone visiting, we, you know, starts out totally unmasonic, just some weird topic, but, you know, maybe an hour in, you get in on a story about the lodge from 60 years ago that you've never heard before, and it's, it's those stories that just bring the history to life. Uh, yeah. I've shared with some brothers before, the oldest past master in my lodge, at least active, is a brother named Doc, um, and I, I had him for the history book I'm writing for our lodge. I had him write kind of a paragraph of, hey, what do you remember about lodge? Well, you know, what were your high times? What brought you in? All this good stuff. And he did it. And he called me up one night because he wanted to uh, kind of run it by me. And he started going through and I'm just, I'm hearing all these names I've been researching from the past masters and the history of our lodge. And it was amazing because he brought those names to life. He's putting personalities to them. He's, he's commenting on things they would say and how they would say it and, you know, actions they did. And it was a whole nother fourth dimension to what, you know, uh, all the research I had done. And you'd be amazed how many of those conversations you can have. I mean, I just, you know, I beg all of you, just throw your cell phone out sometime, sit a guy in front of him, just have a chat with him. And if he's not comfortable with the camera, get him on audio just have those conversations because you can't once they're gone you can't have them again you, you can't duplicate those you know i mean you can't make them up it's it's a necessity we have a um a 70 year mason this year um he's been a mason for 70 years and uh your talk actually inspired me i'm starting to put the questions together and i want to go have a video chat with him and just 
get it down. Yeah. Um, so that his memories and his experience and all that. I mean, 70 years ago, right? And he's still, he's lucid. He's still with it. Um, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's amazing to me. And it, it seems like just a shame if, if you don't capture that information. Yeah. No, it is. It's, I think that's the, that's kind of the rawest point you can get in your research is just to sit yeah. down and have that chat. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave too much information or hints on this right here, but I just had a conversation today, um, hopefully for an upcoming interview here. Uh, I've been placed in touch with a 103 year old, still active Mason. Nice. And uh, I'm not gonna give any more away than just that. Um, but hopefully oh. that interview will be coming up very soon. This guy still goes to Lodge at least once every month and a half to two months, health permitting. Obviously, the 103 has some up and down days, but he's still active, and it's amazing. So I I can't wait. You know, he's not a guy from my jurisdiction, but that's a chat that has to be had. And I think know, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Do you? Do you? I think so. It, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it, uh, opportunity came up. I reached out and got an immediate response, and uh, so we're trying to get that in the works. But uh, it'll be a cool no, chat. I mean, 103 years old. I, I can't imagine. I don't know how long exactly he's been uh, in the fraternity, but dude's seen some things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's the depression, right? I mean, that's right. insane. Yeah, so that'll be, that'll be a hell of a chat there. So uh, besides the... Uh, Oh, the speeches during the day. Um, what were some other high points for you um, from Masonicon 2018? So it was tough. I mean, mentally, I was in a really tough part um, uh, that day uh, and a couple days leading up. And then, but <clears throat> Masonicon itself was was just such a great uh, such a great lift, yeah. right? Um, mentally, and uh, I ended up crashing the um, the festive board. Uh, you did that night, <laughs> so um, I didn't get to uh, partake in the tours on Friday or Sunday, um, but I did crash the festive board. Uh, thank you, Brother Simmons, and um, that was a blast. Uh, Brian, just the way he worked that room and the table and got people involved and talking was just—it was fantastic. He's very natural at that. He really is. It's kind of scary. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, that was that was a cool festival, though. Yeah. So we get all through the day, and that I mean that was a necessity for me. Um, I was I was the last speaker to go on um, before the uh, the panel discussion, and I like I said I'd sat up there all day long. I actually skipped lunch. Um, I'm not a big fan of eating before I speak, but I was just I was so like caught up in all the rest of the speeches. And then I try to sneak down a few times in between to, you know, hit up the vendors and say hi to a few people real quick. Um, but I hadn't eaten lunch all day and I'm sitting up there nervous about my speech. And then right before mine, I'm like dead tired. I mean, I've been up there since like early in the morning, haven't gone up yet. I'm like sitting there like starting to nod off, starting to get a headache. I'm like, oh, well, this ain't going to go. <laughs> but yeah, get through mine. And then that, uh, that festive board was just like, reviving for me great food great laughs i mean i i wish i had that kind of space that that lodge is impressive oh. man i was telling everyone there it's like my lodge gardener you know our 
the Masons built the whole building, but they sold it right after they built it. And we only own the, uh, the top floor of the bottom floor is a coffee house and some other commercial space, but the entire top floor could probably fit inside of that hall where they did the festive board. So yeah, we don't get this space like they have, but it was impressive. It was, it was awesome. Great food. Uh, like you said, brother Simmons worked that floor like none other. Um, just, it was outstanding. And, uh, <laughs> brother jason richards from uh tmr got his oh. phone stolen during the middle of the meal and uh everyone around the table partook in taking some horrid selfies <laughs> which uh which ended up with some uh with some great pictures uh one of which i think is of you and it got another brother in trouble i don't think there's any proof of that no no that's well <laughs> But it was it was hilarious, uh, nonetheless. Actually, to the point that uh, Jason didn't know where the heck his phone was. He got up and stormed off, thinking he had like lost it somewhere, and it yep. was like working its way around the end. I didn't know about it until it hit me, and I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all in good fun, uh, mm -hmm. kind of added to the laughs of the day. And then, I mean, yeah. we uh, we kind of hung out there for a while. I think it was past midnight before um, me and the other guys headed back to the hotel. But yeah, I was I was stoked to see you there. I I know uh, we'd chatted just before and said bye and all, and you were out. Then I'm sitting there eating. I look over and I see you across the way. So shot you that little text to the I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out for some for some uh, uh, contraband uh, Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So. You didn't get to come hang with us uh, the, the following day there. Um, what did you have going on? Why, why didn't you make the tours, man? Um, so one, didn't really know the details about them. Ah. And two, uh, what was that day? Um, I'm sure we were just swamped. Uh, we've been doing an addition of the house and I'm involved in scouts and there's lodge. So there's, um, there's uh, you know never shortage of activities. <laughs> Yeah, what was that thing you were talking about? Twenty-four inch something. I don't know yeah, what that thing yeah. is. I know it's duct taped together a few times. At least, at least mine is. <laughs> that was actually, um, I think, that was my first paper that I wrote for Midnight Freemasons. Was it really? Um, yeah, and and it was cool because I mean it was inspired because I was traveling and and being master right and just getting frustrated because it's trying to get more people to support different activities right and show up and and offering a wide variety of activities, just so try to placate to people, various people's interests. And uh, my wife was just like, well, you know, maybe they're busy being Masons in other ways, right? Maybe they're they're leading a church group or a scout group or some other youth organization. Or they're, um, we have a brother that volunteers at the hospital, right? As kind of like a receptionist, help people get around. Yeah. Um, there's so many, like my dad, um, I never saw my dad go to lodge until I was initiated. When I was initiated, he came up and he came up from Pennsylvania for all three of my degrees and actually raised me. Um, wow. But I, it, my entire life until then, I never saw him go to lodge. But even though he didn't show up, he kept his dues. And I'm sure that like daily he would look at you know, his setting wall from, from when he was master or his, his ring or his, his father's ring, which I'm now wearing. Um, and 
that guided him, that made him a better dad, in my opinion. Um, so it's it's just an important thing to remember that just because they're not at lodge, just because they're not at a lodge event, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not doing something to improve themselves in masonry. Well put. Right. Well put. No, that, that's very true. That's uh, actually an interesting way to look at it because I don't think a lot of guys take that into consideration uh, when you don't see them at lodge. But you know, we're uh, while we're in lodge, we're you know learning those tools so we can practically apply them to life and. Some guys are doing that, and you gotta, you know, give them credit where credit's due. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, man. Just kind of wish they would come back and teach me how to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally though. So. Last day there was a uh, was an interesting one for me. Uh, day was amazing. Um, but it was also my travel back home, and yeah. some of you guys have watched the uh, the TMR footage on this, where they they kind of poked at me a little bit. I was, <laughs> I, I I'm always I'm always getting into something, man. So day was awesome. Uh, we did a tour of Boston. Um, got to go through the Grand Lodge again. Still second year in a row. I haven't got to see this cellar that. Uh, <laughs> Brother Hunt uh, has alluded to, he, he took us on a private tour last year and totally nerding out on the history and get looking at all these crazy things. And not until I get back home and he's, uh, you know, he does an interview for the show. He's telling me about this amazing cellar they've got with all these old documents. And I'm like, do, do what? Like, oh, I didn't show you the cellar. So <laughs> I was, I was banking. I'd get to see it this year, but, uh, Unfortunately, uh, Walter Hunt wasn't up there for our tour this year, so a lot of doors were locked. But one of these days, I will get into that cellar, and I'm sure by then it's going to be empty and very unimpressive. So, just <laughs> my luck and things. But no, we we got to uh, we got to do a tour again of the Grand Lodge, which that place never gets old, man. Uh, it was it was interesting though because last year when we visited, um, they were just getting ready to do the renovation uh, to put the. Uh, restaurant space down on the ground floor and take out the uh the murals yep. on the wall um so it was kind of hard hitting because last time i was there i was taking pictures of those murals and i get there this time and it's just window space and it's like oh that's hard to see but yeah life goes on uh it's it's still an amazing building and it's de it's decent size from the outside but you go in there and it is really fooling i mean that place is massive you would never guess it's that big I mean, it is. I mean, it's size halls. It's insane. And it's prime real estate, right downtown Boston. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's right across from from um, uh, from Boston Common and right near the theater district. I mean, it's just it's an amazing location. Yeah, it's in the middle um, of everything. It is. But you got to see Prince Hall's tomb, Prince yes. Hall's grave, right? Yeah. So we we left there and we did kind of a walking tour. Um, which I'm going to put him on the spot right now. Brother Simmons is a walker. Uh, that guy does not stop. He's on a mission. And at one point, we we're going up a hill, I mean, straight up. And I'm a fat dude. I'm like huffing and puffing. And he's just booking along. And at one point, he just kind of stops and turns around and goes, This really sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, you're doing fine, though. Keep going. But no, <laughs> we get down the street. Uh, first. Uh, cemetery we took a look at we got to see the graves of brother samuel adams um i think benjamin franklin's parents had a big monument and, yep. and the graves from those time period uh 
just impressive, man. I, I can't believe they're still around. I mean, you see some of them are like coming in, in like slices and falling apart from the yeah. old stone. Um, but yeah, the designs on them and everything, it's just, you don't see anything like that. It's so cool um, to see them, you know, still preserved and people actually caring enough to like go in and spend time with them. Although there was a couple I felt really bad for, and I'll, I'll edit in some pictures uh, here. There's there's one kind of right when you come in. I think it's right over actually next to the uh, Sam Adams grave. His tombstone's right there, and because there's no space, the sidewalk goes right over. So, I mean, everyone's just basically trampling over this poor dude. Uh, but it's everything in Boston, even the even the tombs, prime real estate. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you you see a lot of them up there where the the headstones are actually part of the surrounding buildings, and it was just it was intense. But we went from the uh, the first cemetery to the Green Dragon. Is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah, Green Dragon Tavern. That was impressive. Very very impressive. Although the uh, the wait staff didn't know how to split a bill, um, so we got to sit there and crunch math ourselves. It's Boston. Yeah, right? So, yeah, when you got 17 people at a table, it's all, ah, figure it out. <laughs> Thanks. We all have cards. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, we, you know the history of the Green Dragon, right? You know, not as not as much as I should. We, we, got, a, uh, we got a cool little debriefing there, but well, you want to give us a rundown? So I'm sure I'm going to botch this, but I mean, like many lodges um, back in the time, you know, 1700s, uh, the lodges were on the second floor of a pub, right? Meeting house. Yeah. And uh, there was a lodge that met on the second floor of the Green Dragon. Now, I don't believe it's the same. I think the bar kind of like went up, the pub went away and the bar came back at some point in time. Um, but there was a, a lodge that was... Um, above the Green Dragon, and I believe like Sam Adams, and uh, I hope Walter's not listening to this because he'll kill me. Um, you know, a lot of other prominent Masons were members of that lodge. Um, these similar prominent Masons were also rumored to be part of the Boston Tea Party. Ah, yes. So there's all sorts of rumors and discussions about whether or not, you know, the, you know, Masons were involved with the Boston Tea Party, whether they orchestrated it, who knows. Um, But there were members of that lodge that met above the Green Dragon that were involved in the Boston Tea Party. Now, and uh, Brother Mike was telling me, and I I may have misheard him, so I'm not going to fully quote him on this, but he was telling me that uh, he thought there was a print shop up on the top floor at 1.2 that uh, one of the important documents, I can't remember which one, uh, one of the important U.S. documents was possibly printed in. So That I don't know. Just sound like some amazing his. I mean, that was a cool thing, though. It's like everywhere you go, you're in history. <laughs> it's like, it's unavoidable. I mean. Well, dude, the U.S.'s Constitution, I don't know if you got to see that. I mean, it's not Masonic in nature, um, although I think. Uh, Major General Henry Knox Lodge, I think they do an event on the USS Constitution. Um, I mean, it's still around. And on 4th of July, they bring it out of its berth, um, out of, off the dock. They bring it up into Boston Harbor and spin it around. It's got fire, um, fire, fire boats uh, all around it, spraying water. And um, it's a special oh, thing for 4th of July. And wow. you see this old ship from the Revolutionary War, you know, right in Boston Harbor. It's awesome. 
And meanwhile, you've got um, you've got a parade going right past the old state house where the Boston Massacre was, with guys in black powder rifles and all dressed up, and it's just no doubt. Man, it, what, it takes what, you back. What time of year do they do that? The celebration? Fourth of July. For, during Fourth of July? Okay. Yep. I'm gonna have to come up there. I mean, how cool is that? You, that, you don't see that every day. Oh, that's that'd very be, cool. That'd be so neat to take part in. But yeah, we so we gotta have lunch there at the the Green Dragon. Uh, walked a little farther, saw a couple more cemeteries on the way, and I mean, each one of them we're just you know gawking at, like just how cool. Um, but yeah, we, we get down the way and uh, we get to go into the cemetery where Prince Hall's um, memorial is at. That was neat. I've seen this thing online so many times, but I never thought you know I, I would be able to like stand next to it. And when we're we're having lunch at the at the tavern there, um, it was kind of crunching time. My plane actually left. I mean, wheels up at five thirty, and it was like pushing three or so when we were leaving the tavern so you know everyone's kind of looking at me and they're like ah well we're only like eight minutes away from the airport we'll we'll be fine okay so <laughs> we take off walking we get to go see uh prince hall which it was amazing i mean for the uh, those of you that have seen it's you know a huge memorial there uh, i think the biggest one in that particular cemetery um but then right behind it is the smaller little uh the headstone and it's just, it's so cool, you know, just to sit there and be with your brother for a minute. Um, just, you know, not say anything, just kind of be with them. Uh, it was a surreal experience. I didn't know where at in town that was or, you know, what kind of possibility that would be. But, yeah, so glad we had an opportunity to actually go see that in person. That's something I'm never going to forget. Um, the interesting part was actually right after that. So... We left there right across from the cemetery where Prince Hall's at. We got to see the, I think it's the thinnest house in America or something. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why anybody paid money for that thing. And no parking space, I hear. It's Boston. It's Boston. <laughs> I'm like, I heard it went for over a million dollars. I'm like, if I'm paying a million dollars for a slice, give me a slice of a parking space. But... <laughs> We, uh, we get on down the hill, and uh, right at the bottom of the hill is this old church with this huge steeple. And I, they said it was uh, where Paul Revere went up and did the signal on the top. And I, I'm standing there on the corner and just, you know, being a stupid tourist, just looking up at this thing, just lost in a daydream, kind of imagining this town in that time period. And I look down, and I'm all alone. Everyone was gone. And to make things better, being the history guy, geeking out on all this stuff, I'd been taking so many pictures, my phone was dead. So I'm standing in the middle of Boston. It's pushing 3.45, close to 4 o'clock at this point. Plane leaves at 5.30. I don't know where I'm at. No phone. <laughs> no group. Um, so naturally, being a Midwestern tourist, I found a gift shop, and I bought some stuff for the kids. And... <laughs> <laughs> and I worked my way back up the hill and I, I looked everywhere. I couldn't find anybody. I, I thought I was totally screwed. I kind of gave up at that point, just kind of accepted the uh, defeat that I wasn't making my plane. Um, but up, up the hill towards the top, ran into uh, another brother up there and uh, he had fallen behind with a couple guys from earlier. And I was like, Oh, sweet. Found you. And first thing he asked me is, Hey, is your phone working? No, my phone's dead. 
oh crap, my phone's dead too. <laughs> so of course they uh, they wanted to see Prince Hall, and I'm like, duh, why not? You know, I'm I'm stuck here in Boston. Let's go see him. So we're back there uh, checking out Prince Hall's grave a second time, and here comes Brian up the hill yelling, Kansas, where'd you go? <laughs> So, yeah, luckily uh, we, we kind of high-hoofed it uh, as quick as we could from that point back to the car, uh, which was a heck of a little jaunt. And then uh, yeah. by the time uh, we got on the highway and over to the airport, I think they dropped me off at 5.08. <laughs> I'm thinking I still got this. I'm running in the place with confidence, and I realize – this is not the Kansas City Airport. I get in there and I don't know where the heck I'm at, don't know where I need to go. I actually first ran off in the wrong direction and found out actually where I needed to go was straight in from the front door. But nevertheless, I get there, security is, you know, backed up and they don't play around going through Boston. It was, you know, shoes off, belts off, everything. Uh, they let me slide with my belt in KC, but... I get through and it's like, I know I'm pushing time. So I take off running with my shoes half on, my belt, my hoodie in hand. And I'm just kind of, you know, speed walking. That place is huge, man. <laughs> huge. And I'm just following signs. I'm trying to find terminal A and find my gate and everything. And it's like, it's that way. And there's a hall just, I mean, it disappears in the distance. And I get about halfway down this hall, speed walking. And they come on over the intercom, and I hear uh, flight number whatever to Kansas City is now fully boarded. And I just stopped. I stopped walking. I was like, crap. And then they followed it by, we're waiting for one more passenger, Mr. Alex Powers. <laughs> Mr. Powers, we want to go to Kansas City. How about you? I suggest <laughs> you get to your terminal now. Yeah, so I uh, I picked up everything, and I, I fat guy ran as fast as I could, and uh, everyone kind of turned around and started laughing at me. Everyone realized I was the guy getting yelled at. Um, ran all the way through, made it to my gate, uh, checked in with my phone, and that was the last time I saw my phone. Get in the flight. I'm, you know, I've got two big guys on the side of me. I'm sweating. I know I stunk the whole flight. I'm just like, whatever. My side's hurting from running. It was a miserable three hour and 40 minute flight, but you know, we're backing out and I'm like, okay, I'm finally, you know, getting settled in. And I'm like, where's my phone? So I oh. freaked out the entire flight. I tried to hop up once we got in the air and look through my suitcase thinking I'd shove my hoodie in there. Maybe it's in there. No. So I'm freaking out the whole time thinking I must've dropped it in the, in the tube connecting to the plane and uh, finally get off in KC, get out and I'd rip everything open and no phone. I'm just like, oh crap. Now I don't know how to call my wife to tell her where I am. It is one thing yeah. after another, but uh, the flight attendant came out with a phone in her hand. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> so all is well. It ends well. Um, it, it was an amazing trip. I mean, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Uh, me, me barely making my flight gave me a heck of a story, but it also uh, it also really milked down to the last minute, um, getting every bit of experience that I could from that trip. And uh, Brian and all the rest of the guys that were uh, responsible for, you know, putting on Masonicon this year, that was their sole mission. I mean, these guys gave up their weekend, and I'm sure much more than that. They've been working on this for some time. Uh, but just, you know, put it in to everyone attending and everyone, all the speakers and stuff that they had come in, just to make sure that it went over amazing for us. And we got every last little bit of value out of it that we could. And, that meant the world to me. I mean, it, it made my entire trip. Um, 
and I'm looking forward to next year because of that. When you look at it, and what did he say that at, at the festive board? They have 135 brothers. I think he said about 135, and 45 helped out with Masonicon. Yeah, 45, like 30 percent of the membership. That's right. insane. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's that that's something to work towards, right? right? That's that's a goal to work towards. Right. I mean, it's impressive. It really is. I I don't know many other lodges that could pull it off, and they do, and with grace. I mean, I'm sure they're like, yeah, BS. <laughs> you know, all the all the sweat and tears they put into it. But from an outwardly sp- uh, perspective, it's it's you know just jaw dropping. Like, holy crap! How did you guys do this? It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told them so many times, you know, thank you. But I wanted to let them know, like, guys, realize what you're doing because they're noticing it, not just in your lodge, in your state, not just in your state. They're noticing it back in Kansas. They're noticing it all over the place. I mean, you guys are really setting that precedent. And I'm going back. I mean, that that's, like I said, that it's kind of that event that I look towards. I mean, that, and, you know, a, a huge point I want to get out to is, you know, when I came back and everyone's asking me kind of a way to describe it, and I'm like, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was I can only think of a couple people that I shook hands with there. It was 90% hugs. I mean, from the moment that I landed and uh, and they, they came and met me at the airplane, it was just, it wasn't a hug or it wasn't a handshake. It was a hug. It was bring it in, yeah. brother. And it, it was that way the whole time. It was like a big family reunion. And it was just, it was amazing. It, it really was. It was just that connection that you don't find a whole lot of times. So. That's the fraternal aspect, right? That's the brotherly yeah. love that, I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of activities. It doesn't take a lot of money. It's just, it's a hug or a phone call or just, right. you know, sh- shaking a guy's hand and lodge. Just, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. Right. And, and uh, that, just that alone can mean so much to somebody. Most definitely. Most definitely. So for me, I would say it was a win. Masonic Con 2018 was a definite hit. I enjoyed everyone I got to uh, get to see again. Like I said, it was a huge family reunion, a lot of hugs, uh, great speakers, great vendors, great food, great time. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. How about you, man? Any complaints? Absolutely not. I um I find myself incredibly fortunate to be living 40 minutes away from right. Ezekiel Bates, yeah. right? I mean, that's, and again, that is, that is a model that, you know, we should all be looking towards of, you know, how do we, how do we build our brotherhood? How do we, how do we build our lodge right. to be that kind of a family? Yeah, no doubt, man. I, uh, I told my wife last year, and I, I told her again this year, I, I come back and I'm like, I could so easily live there. <laughs> and she's like, Nope, no way. It snows way too much. <laughs> like, no, nah, no, nah, we, we can get around that. It's all good. <laughs> Trust me, bringing a girl from the Midwest to the Northeast, uh, it's a challenge, man. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't tell her until after you're there. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great to get to see you in person again, brother. I uh, can't wait to next great year. Too. Hoping, I know I said hopefully this year, but one of these days... Uh, we've got to make it up there and uh, get to spend an extra couple days and hang out and stuff and uh, get to do some more exploring. Um, hopefully make it up there around 4th of July. That would be epic to be able to see that festivity you're talking about. Um, 
I mean, it's very cool. And if you come out and spend a couple of days, we'll go sailing down in there. Hey, Bay. let's do it. Let's do it. Make your plans, <laughs> man. Well, like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the event. Um, thank you for everyone uh, that took the time to uh, put that event together. I know it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, to come together, but it did so beautifully and uh, much appreciated. I mean, hands down, it was it was a great event. Um, I, I know when I was sitting there watching the, uh, watching the other speakers, I had a past grandmaster of Kansas who's currently working with me trying to get some live streams and stuff going down here. I'm just getting message after message. The live stream's awesome. How are they doing this? What equipment are they using? And I went over <laughs> and I snapped a picture because I, you know, one of their guys there works for a TV station. He's got all this know-how. I went over there and snapped a picture and I just get a text back. Holy crap. Dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> It was just, it was awesome. I mean, they, they pull out their, they pull out all the stops and just, you know, give it all they've got, but it's, it's a heck of a production, man. But yeah. I'll turn it over to you, brother. Any final thoughts you have, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, I don't think I have any final thoughts. We are trying to do our own live stream. So Montgomery Lodge um, in Milford, uh, this will be our second year doing it. We're doing an empty chair degree on Memorial Day. Uh, so we're marching in the Memorial Memorial Day Parade in Milford, and then kind of um, kind of an open house where we open it up to the public, um, invite friends, family, obviously, and uh, uh, do a, a public performance of the empty chair degree. And we're going to try to live stream it this year, um, hoping that 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 builds and and has some sort of positive impact uh, on our family and um, on our Masonic family and our community. And uh, kind of feel it special for us just because um, Major General Richard Montgomery, whom we're named for, uh, was, I think he was like one of Washington's right-hand man, and he was killed in battle um, up in Canada. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a important thing. I think it's an important yeah. thing for us. Well, I wish you the utmost success with that event, brother. That sounds amazing. I, I commend you guys for doing that. And being historical, dude, let me know when you get that off the ground. We'll share that on the historical light page so everyone can uh, jump in and see that. I'll definitely That'd be excellent. Watching. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, not at all, brother. Not at all. Well, thank you, uh, brother, so much for coming on today and kind of sharing this dual perspective um, and your, your personal Masonic history with us as well. Um, but I wanted to have you come on, um, spend some time on. It's good to see you again. Um, but get your perspective for the event as well so it's not just me blabbering on here and, you know, no one trusts my word. So we've got to bring someone on that's trustworthy. So. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I'm the right choice for that one. <laughs> well, we'll see how the views do. We might have to delete this. We never know. <laughs> But in all I did want to but... share a couple things. Right. Yeah. If I could. Yeah, um, go for it. So I have a copy of Modern Masonry by Joseph Fort Newton. Um, trademark copyright 18, 1924. I don't oh, know if you could yeah. see that. Yes. I'm pretty sure this is my grandfather's, great-grandfather's. And I have um, from my father and my grandfather, I have a pair of setting malls. Wow. So this one's um, for my dad when he was master, and this one was my grandfather. And uh, Robert Maitland and um, uh, Maitland Garrett Jackson. And uh, every time I sat in the East, <clears throat> those setting malls were with me. Yes. And it was just kind of a way that I could, I could have my family with me since my dad 
my dad died before I made it to the East. So it's some way for me to connect. I'm so sorry to hear that brother. I, I commend you on that, that right there. I was just going to ask you, I hope you have used that. (laughs) I mean, there is, there is no better way um, to just kind of solidify that, that unspoken bond, that connection to be able to use something like that. I mean, obviously as beautiful as those are, it meant the world to them and be able to bring that into your journey. Dude, that's, that's what this is all about. Hands well, I, I, is awesome. I wear my dad's past master's apron now. Um, I got a special dispensation from Grand Lodge because it doesn't fit the right size and, and description for a past master's apron, but uh, I, I'm now permitted, you know, to wear it. And, and uh, every day I put that on, I, I, I wear my ring, and it's all that connection's always there. That is awesome, brother. That is awesome. I got a little bit of a connection there um, when I was actually installed into the East. Um, I, I've shared before, but I actually have my great grandfather's uh, Master Mason apron. Yeah. And from the day I got it, you know, it's folded up in a in an envelope, and I had to kind of flatten it out as good as I could. But it's been in a in a frame ever since I got it, so nothing would happen to it. And I was kind of nervous. It'd been so long since I put it in that frame of thinking how brittle it was. Um, but when I was installed into the East, I actually wore my great grandfather's apron. So I know that connection, that feeling you're yeah. talking about. I, I wish I could wear it every time I'm, I'm with this particular apron. I'm nervous to tear it up, but, um, <laughs> dude, yeah, I, it, no words, no words. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing experience. So I'm so glad that you're able to, uh, to have that, to take you or take into history, man. That's, that's amazing. Well, brother, on that note, again, I want to thank you so much for everything you're doing, keeping your family's Masonic history alive, and uh, for coming on the show today, sharing your points of view, and just spending some time with me, brother. It's always a pleasure. But thanks so much for coming on the show, and uh, I will see you soon. Thank you, Alex. You take care. All right. Take care, brother. We'll see you soon. You too, brother. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. If you guys have not had the chance yet, make sure you get to Masonicon. Put it on your bucket list. I've been up there two years in a row now. I look forward to it every year. It's been a whole year and now I'm, I'm bummed out it's over. So put it on your bucket list. Get up there. The guys up at Ezekiel Bates Lodge, I don't think anyone can top them. They know what they're doing. Um, it's kind of been a trial and error form and they have, to my opinion, perfected it. Um, it's an amazing experience. So do yourself a favor, get up there and enjoy MasonicCon. Until next time, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Jump over to our group on Facebook, which is the Historical Light Masonic Research Group on Facebook. If you're not a member there, make sure you join so you can get on on the great conversations. And we'll see you there until next time when we continue our quest for Historical Light. Have a great day.